Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Well, I, I regret to tell the New York Times that I am uh, on Freedom of the Press is on their bestseller list for 15 weeks in a row. One more week, and that's four months by my calculation. And it's driving them nuts. And I want to thank all you Levinites and patriots out there. We're really concerned about what's happening to our country. How the media have taken sides. And, you know, I've been saying for the longest time, and as I write in my book, and now the backbenchers, of course, regurgitate it. The media do not follow the Democrat Party. The media lead the Democrat Party. And anyone who claims they've been saying it for a long time ought to put up or shut up. This is one of the core points in unfreedom of the press, which virtually every radio host and TV host has read, but does not cite. But half a million of you have read it in various forms or listened to it. And this is a core point in the book. You cannot distinguish between most so-called journalists in the modern media and the Democrat Party and the left. And the media push and prod the Democrat Party and the social activism agenda. This isn't something that some talk show host can just pop off off the top of their head. No, no, no. This is something that required scholarship and research to determine, which is exactly what I did. I looked into what these professors at journalism schools, at NYU and other places, have been teaching journalism students. This is how I knew it. So I understand there are hosts out there who steal the scholarship of other people and are jealous and thin-skinned, but that's just the way it is. I will continue to make this point, and I'll make it again to you. There's a piece in Politico, which is a very liberal so-called news website, and a piece written by Michael Calderon, who's a liberal, called Will Media's Climate Change Blitz Take Root? Now think about that title. Man, we got a lot to cover today. I'll move from here and there, but I want to spend a little bit of time on this. Will Media's Climate Change Blitz Take Hold? What? Right in the title, there's a confession that the media are hysterically and desperately pushing the climate change ideology. Now let's step back before I get into the rest of this article. What is climate change about? It's the old red movement dressed up as a green movement. 
this anti-capitalism. And again, the scholarship that I did on this is is really quite clear. It's unassailable. Like Marxism, like so-called democratic socialism, this is imported from Europe. Most specifically, it's imported from Germany. This ideology. And what it's about, ladies and gentlemen, is hijacking the environmental movement, hijacking the issue of health and safety, and camouflaging it on behalf of socialism slash Marxism. Now think about the climate change movement. What is it all about? An enormous power grab by the federal government, politicians and bureaucrats. And of course, most of the media live and operate inside and around Washington, D.C., inside and around New York City. So this is about the further concentration of power. I live about 40 miles, give or take, from Washington, D.C., in Virginia. And when my wife and I went to the National Archives on Labor Day, I go to Washington now and then. I just want you to know, the rest of the country, I want you to know, the amount of money, the billions of dollars that's being spent on the metro rail system to bring it out 30, 35 miles from Washington, D.C., the billions of dollars being spent on the widening of roads, on bridges in and out of Washington, D.C., I've never seen anything like it. This is without a quote-unquote $2 trillion infrastructure project. The building, the population growth, the income in and around Washington, D.C. and those, those counties is beyond belief. The developments that's going on, townhouses, condominiums, single-family homes, it just keeps spreading from Washington, D.C. through the inner suburbs, of Virginia and Maryland to the outer suburbs of Virginia and Maryland. It's massive. The amount of redistribution of wealth from people in all other parts of the country into the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area is enormous. Enormous. And it's not just the bureaucrats. It's those who feed off the federal government, the contractors, the associations, the think tanks, the ethnic front groups, the unions, the Chamber of Commerce. It just never ends. It's enormous. And just imagine if they can nationalize climate, nationalize climate. Where the federal government now, the federal government now can do anything and everything as long as it ties it to, links it to climate change. There's no end to this. Imagine, in addition to nationalizing health care, nationalizing education, nationalizing debt of all sorts. Imagine that. Plus, the federal government, politicians, having the power to act and do pretty much whatever they want under this rubric of climate change. 
And the media are not merely reporting on this. The media are advancing this. The media are prodding this. The media are pushing this, just as they've been pushing impeachment. And they'll get back to that next week when Congress returns. Mark my word. So this piece in Politico, and by the way, if they succeed on this climate change issue, your lives will change forever. That's what the Green New Deal is all about. It's a Red New Deal. Everything in your home, your home itself, your automobile, the clothing you wear, the job you have, all of it will be affected. All of it will be monitored. All of it will be regulated to make you poorer, to make you less independent, to make you less free. That's what it's about. Creating a nation of zombies, of drones. Uniformity. How many times do I say this? CNN, MSNBC, climate forums promise serious talk, but no guarantee of sustained coverage. Oh, they're sad they're over political, but let's continue. Andrew Yang will get roughly 40 minutes on CNN Wednesday evening to make his pitch about how he would confront the threat of climate change as president. But it doesn't mean he wholeheartedly supports the seven-hour marathon town hall. It would probably be better for CNN to report on Hurricane Doreen and Dorian, and the actual effects of climate change rather than having us talk about climate change, Yang tweeted Tuesday. Yang's complaint goes to the heart of the media's ongoing struggles to cover the causes and effects of global warming. While the major TV networks and online outlets are committed to giving it serious issue treatment like abortion rights or gun violence, now listen to this, it's the whole radical left agenda. They have been far less comfortable relating the scientific consensus in favor of man-made climate change to in-the-moment coverage of devastating weather-related events. Now, Mr. Calderon has said a mouthful here, a mouthful of BS. But he reveals himself and underscores what the media are up to. Abortion rights. In other words... The killing of babies in the womb. And not always in the womb. Gun violence. Not the right to bear arms, the Bill of Rights. But they're far less comfortable relating the scientific consensus in favor of man-made climate change to in-the-moment coverage of devastating weather-related events. What he's saying here is, look, this needs to be a steady drumbeat. We need to use the quote-unquote science to just push this each and every day. Hurricanes come and go. Tornadoes come and go. Floods come and go. We got to push this day in and day out. This month, in advance of the United Nations Climate Action Summit, the nation's news media is preparing multiple special projects and broadcasts devoted to the issue. Now, this is called propaganda, ladies and gentlemen, and that is the heart and soul of the modern media. Propaganda on behalf of radical progressivism and social activism to support radical progressivism. It goes on. In addition to CNN's seven-hour conclave, MSNBC is sponsoring a two-day forum on September 19 and 20. And more than 220 news outlets have pledged to provide a week of climate-focused coverage leading up to the September 23 U.N. summit. So this is the groupthink that we talk about here all the time. Will there be any challenges to these ideas, to these 
suppositions to these hypotheticals? No, there won't. No, there won't. This is the pack mentality. This is the groupthink. This is the left in the media. I've never seen the level of interest be this high, said MSNBC host Chris Hayes. This guy's an idiot. Who will co-moderate the MSNBC event that's also sponsored by Georgetown's Institute of Politics and Public Service, our Daily Planet, and New York Magazine. So look at that. A radical leftist on MSNBC will co-moderate with a Georgetown Institute of Politics and Public Service, New York Magazine, and our Daily Planet. So there you have the convergence of ideology dressed up as science. While many climate change activists and experts are pleased with the special commitment of time and energy, they're also skeptical about whether the leading outlets will keep the pressure on political leaders throughout the election and amid coverage of events like Hurricane Dorian. Now, you see, this has been my point all along that has been picked off by some of the backbenchers. Rightly so, and they ought to pick it off. They ought to listen, and they ought to regurgitate what I say. I'm not being sarcastic. We've got to get the message out. And the bigger the host, the better. While many climate change activists and experts pleased with the special commitment of time, they are also skeptical about whether the leading outlets, news outlets, will keep the pressure on political leaders. You see? The media lead the Democrat Party politicians. David Wallace Wells, a New York Magazine deputy editor and author of The Uninhabitable Earth, Life After Warming, expressed frustration with the network's framing of climate change during the first two Democratic presidential debates. The moderator's focus, he said, was on matters of cost and budgeting rather than getting the candidates to make their case as to why they have to take action now. And these left-wing groups will have great effect. That is, the left-wing media will have great effect on the debate. They're already trying to influence it in advance, as you can see. CNN Washington Bureau Chief Cham Feist acknowledged that every viewer is not going to watch every candidate and every minute. While CNN producers will undoubtedly look at the numbers, Feist said the ratings aren't the motivation behind the event. This is an important subject that we think deserves the time. So there'll be no real debate between the climate change idol worshippers and physicists and other advanced scientists who've done an enormous amount of study and research and scholarship on this subject, really thousands of them, but there are many top individuals. They will never be put on a camera on MSNBC or CNN or meet the press. And even if they were, they'd never have an opportunity to explain their findings. So you're going to have seven hours on CNN. You're going to have two days, parts of two days on MSNBC. You're going to have the media pushing this, pushing this, pushing this, pushing the Democrat Party. Some of the Republicans are going to start falling in line, pressuring them to advancing the cause of socialism. The destruction of capitalism. The degrowth movement. The deindustrialization movement. I may mention this briefly, but the other week I watched this miniseries on the History Channel about these 
genius entrepreneurs who created fast food or processed food, which, of course, now we're supposed to hate, but it fed America in the inner cities where the meat was rancid, where people didn't have enough food. There wasn't any way to store it. And they helped feed America. And then I've been watching reruns over the weekend of the so-called robber barons, which were not, who brought us oil and electricity and light and steel. More when I return. Mark Lovin. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse, rejecting the idea of objective truth. They peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College. Whereas the socialists and Marxists of the recent past argued that capitalism could not produce enough material wealth to go around, now they argue it produces too much material wealth. And therefore, we have now the degrowth movement. And they define their agenda as follows, as I wrote in Plunder and Deceit. All these books spell out what's taking place, and quite frankly, well in advance of them taking place. Sustainable degrowth is a downscaling of production and consumption that increases human well-being and enhances ecological conditions and equity on the planet. Calls for a future where societies live within their ecological means, with open, localized economies and resources more equally distributed through new forms of democratic institutions. It is an essential economic strategy to pursue in overdeveloped countries like the United States for the well-being of the planet, of underdeveloped populations, and yes, even of the sick, stressed, and overweight consumer population of overdeveloped countries. We are under attack from within, ladies and gentlemen. The Democrat Party is now the fifth column. And I mean every word I just said. I'll be right back. The good, the true, the beautiful. Think about those concepts for a second. What do they mean? How can one begin to understand these high and noble ideals? It starts with the right kind of education. This kind of education used to be common, but it's become increasingly rare. It used to be that college students, young people, would study comprehensively a variety of subjects from philosophy to politics to biology, a core curriculum in other words. Sadly, that's not the case these days. 
But I can tell you about one place where young people study like this, Hillsdale College. At Hillsdale, students work hard, spending more than half their time studying the core. The result? Hillsdale alumni are leaders with intelligence and character, ready to make a difference in their families, communities, and country. But it all starts with that core, the core that develops moral and intellectual virtue, the core that helps them understand the good, the true, and the beautiful. Find out more about what education is meant to be at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. I view this program as pushing against the tyranny that's rising in our politics, in our government, in our society. And as a voice of liberty, not the only voice, but a voice of liberty. I'm trying to counter the propaganda of the mob, the media mob and their surrogates. I'm only one voice. But I am on a mission in everything I do. Now, for its proponents of this degrowth movement and its adherents, degrowth has quickly developed into a pseudo-religion and public policy obsession, especially among so-called journalists. In fact, the degrowthers insist that their ideology reaches far beyond the environment or even its odium for capitalism and is an all-encompassing lifestyle and governing philosophy. This is plunder and deceit. Some of its leading advocates argue that degrowth is not just an economic concept. No. Degrowth has now become a confluence point where streams of critical ideas and political action converge. Degrowth is an interpretive frame for a social movement understood as the mechanism through which actors engage in collective action. In other words, Marxism. So I point out, degrowthers seek to eliminate carbon sources of energy and redistribute wealth according to terms they consider equitable. They reject the traditional economic reality that acknowledges growth as improving living conditions generally, but especially for the impoverished. They embrace the notions of less competition, large-scale redistribution, sharing, and reduction of excessive incomes and wealth. Degrowthers want to engage in policies that will set a maximum income. And I'm quoting from them, or maximum wealth, to weaken envy as a motor of consumerism, they say, and opening borders, no border, to reduce means to keep inequality between the rich and the poor countries. Do you understand why the far left wants open borders for the votes and power, of course? But they believe the United States, the United States, is stealing wealth from other societies and the way you level the playing field is have open borders that's where the Marxist left in the Democrat party and the media are coming from forget about nation states forget about borders that the wealth that's in the United States needs to be shared beyond the United States and they demand reparations by supporting a concept of ecological debt or the demand that the global north pays for past and present colonial exploitation in the global south. 
There's a French economist, a leading degrowther, Serge Latouche. And he's well known among the hard left in Europe. And he said, we're currently witnessing the steady commercialization of everything in the world. Applied to every domain in the way, capitalism cannot help but destroy the planet, much as it destroys society, since the very idea of the market depends on unlimited excess and domination. He also abhors economic growth and wealth creation, the very attributes necessary to improve the human condition in societies. He says a society based on economic contraction cannot exist under capitalism. Now you think about that. Economic contraction. That's their goal. In fact, on July 18, 2014, just five years ago, scores of extreme groups throughout the world endorsed a proclamation titled The Margarita Declaration on Climate Change, Changing the System, Not the Climate, which calls for, among other things, an end to the capitalist hegemonic system. I keep telling you, this is an attack on your lifestyle. It's an attack on your way of life. It's an attack on capitalism, private property rights. Degrowth is usually characterized by a strong utopian dimension. Its foundations rely on a version of economic relations based on sharing, gifts, and reciprocity, where social relations and conviviality are central. So to implement this utopian vision of radical egalitarian outcomes. Am I boring everybody, Mr. Producer? The degrowth movement employs strategies such as alternative building, opposition, and research. And in relation to capitalism, they can't be anti-capitalist, post-capitalist, and despite capitalist. The degrowthers insist that governments establish a living wage and reduce the work week to 20 hours, apparently discounting the fact that the population of the globe has increased by several billion human beings in the intervening years. They call for bringing material production back down to the levels of the 1960s and 70s and returning to small-scale farming. What does that sound like? Mao Zedong's Great Leap Forward, where tens of millions of people died. And degrowthers, quote, decree a moratorium on technological innovation, pending an in-depth assessment of its achievement and reorientation of scientific and and technical research according to new aspirations. I'm quoting them. Now imagine the power and breadth of the police state necessary to enforce this form of antediluvian autocracy. Imagine it. A massive police state. Washington and its metropolitan area will be ten times the size it is today. All decisions would flow through Washington, D.C. Just imagine this. It's unimaginable, isn't it? And the media are not just reporting on this. The media are leading the charge. The media run the Democrat Party. They run the Democrat Party. Ever hear of a man by the name of Walter Lippmann? He was a very famous newsman, very influential, also a commentator. In the earlier part of the last century. And he wrote a classic book called Public Opinion. A book I read when I wrote, of course, uh, on freedom of the press. Now, at the time, as I point out, an unfreedom of the press. See, it all flows together. 
These are puzzle pieces. Lippmann was a disenchanted socialist, increasingly disillusioned by the public. Couldn't understand it. Couldn't understand why the public rejected socialism and therefore destroyed it. So like many progressives, he believed the problem rested with the inability of the citizenry, you, in a large and complex modern society to grasp events and rationally discuss or act on them. So it's left to the media to do it for them. And Lippmann wrote that the world is just too complicated for inattentive or busy individuals focused on their own lives and pursuits to comprehend events. Here's exactly what he said, quote, The amount of attention available is far too small for any scheme in which it was assumed that all the citizens of the nation would, after devoting themselves to the publications of all the intelligence bureaus, become alert, informed, and eager on the multitude of real questions that never do fit very well into a broad principle. I'm not making that assumption, he writes. Primarily, the Intelligence Bureau is an instrument of the man of action, of the representative charged with decision, of the worker at his work, and if it does not help them, it will help nobody in the end. But insofar as it helps them to understand the environment in which they are working, it makes what they do visible. And by that, much they become more responsible to the general public. So Lippmann contended that the experts doing their daily business are to be relied on to improve society. He said in public opinion, the purpose then is not to burden every citizen with expert opinions on all questions, but to push that burden away from him towards the responsible administrator. An intelligence system has value, of course, as a source of general information, as a check on the daily press, but that is secondary. Its real use is as an aid to representative government and administration, both in politics and industry. The demand for the assistance of expert reporters in the shape of accountants, statisticians, secretariats, and the like comes not from the public, but from men doing public business who can no longer do it by rule of thumb. It is the origin and an ideal, an instrument for doing public business better. So Lippmann exhorted that it is the process of expert synthesis and analysis that enables the citizen to make sense of things. Only by insisting the problems shall not come up to him until they have passed through a procedure can the busy citizen of modern state hope to deal with them in a form that is intelligible. So who is it, ladies and gentlemen, who has to synthesize all this so it makes sense to the average person, to the average citizen? The press. The press. Lippmann was a hardcore progressive, having abandoned actual socialism, but really not completely the ideology, because progressive overlaps, obviously, with socialism and Marxism. It's the progeny of Marx. And so, this is the mentality of the mass modern media today. This is why Michael Calderon wrote what he wrote in Politico today. And wrote it the way he wrote it. That is, will the media's climate change blitz take root? Will they keep at it? The way they've kept at abortion rights and gun violence? Will they keep at it? 
New York Magazine deputy editor and author, The Uninhabitable Earth, Life After Warming. He's worried. This needs to be daily. Just beat into the minds of the American people over and over and over again. Will the media do it? Well, Mr. Calderon and David Wallace-Wells have nothing to worry about because the media will do it. And are doing it. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the principles of the American founding are now considered radical, right-wing, nationalist, supremacist, pro-slavery. And the imported principles of Marx and Engels and before him, Hegel and Rousseau and the others, but particularly the German philosophers, that's considered progressive. Even the name, progressive. And so liberty no longer is defined as a right that an individual is born with. No, 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 no. Liberty is a right conferred by the government. And if you don't poorer than the guy next to you, you're not free. If you're dumber than the guy next to you, you're not free. If you're uglier than the guy next to you, you're not free. If you're fatter than the guy next to you, you're not free. And the government needs to fix that. We can't have some rich people and some poor people. And by the way, I'm using these categories and these terms willy-nilly. We don't even know what we mean by them. We just use them. We now assign classes to American citizens, even though in this country we don't have classes and castes and group identity. But the left cannot abandon the notions of group identity because Marx talks about it all the time. And that's the only way you turn American against American and human being against human being. I hope this helps you understand these last 45 or so minutes. Not just what we're up against, but the nature of these Democrat Party uh, efforts and the nature of these individuals who want to be the nominee and the nature of the media. It fits together like a puzzle. And no, it's not a conspiracy. This is what they say. They say this stuff. They write this stuff. They rely on this stuff. They believe in it. They're acting on it. This is a battle between progressivism and constitutionalism. This is a battle between tyranny and liberty. This is a battle between centralized government and the individual. The framers and the founders understood this. Go to the National Archives and take a look at what they wrote. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens 
and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. As a friend of mine puts it, the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area is a never-ending boomtown. Completely fueled by government largesse. A never-ending boomtown. And the metropolitan area is becoming a sprawling metropolitan area. Nothing like it was 30 years ago. Nothing. I'm just pointing it out. I always have to make a decision on how deep to go on certain subjects, and I typically decide to go deep rather than these hit-and-run type, what about this, and what about this, and let's hit this, and let's hit that, and what about this. I just don't feel that you want quantity, that you want quality, that you're quite capable of reading websites and so forth on your own, and quite capable of listening to the news on your own. I never take your intelligence for granted. I never take this audience for granted whether it's radio or TV or my readership in my books. And so uh, we, we sometimes I say, and you'll hear me ask you or I'll ask Mr. Producer or Mr. Call Screener, you think people are bored? Because these things I feel are incredibly important, and I'm, I'm just concerned if I don't get into this stuff, then who the hell will? Who the hell's even focused enough or able to do it? That's not a brag. It's just that people have different strengths and approaches to this. I'm on a mission here. My mission isn't to rush through three hours of radio. <clears throat> my mission isn't to cover 25 issues. You can ask my family. You can ask my wife. When I'm done, I'm harder on myself than anybody else after the radio show. And I'm a very hard, hard grader. And I only feel truly fulfilled in doing this radio show if I feel that I've conveyed something, information, a point of view that advances the cause of liberty and republicanism in this country (coughs) that perhaps you haven't heard before may not get anywhere else. All right, I'm going to go get a drink of water, and I'll be right back. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. 
everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Just to show you how things work. So we posted on Facebook and Twitter, my platforms, the uh, news about us being on Freedom of the Press 15 weeks in a row on the New York Times bestseller list. And there's a little cross that they put next to my book. And that cross is meant to indicate that at some point there were bulk sales. And the New York Times does this every time with my books, but it doesn't do it with Michelle Obama's books or anybody else's books, only mine and other conservatives. Now, what do they mean by bulk sales? They want you to think that I bought 20, 30,000 copies of my book or somebody did. That's not what happened. I go to book signings at a place like the Reagan Library where I sit there for six or seven hours signing books. So the Reagan Library buys a bunch of books so that the people who meet me, like any other bookstore, who meet me have a book, they purchase the book, like anybody else purchases a book, and I sign them. So it's events like that. And the New York Times calls that a bulk sale. There have been no bulk sales. But they put that on there because they think it's like the scarlet letter. So ignore it. But not the left, you see. They're so used to Jim Wright. Now we've sold, and I've told you this, hardcover, ebook, and e-audio, almost half a million books in one, one of those forms or another. It's not for bulk sales. All of you out there who've bought the book, you know you've bought the book. But the left will attack you anyway they can. They do not want to address the substance. Of course they haven't read the book. They can go to the library. They don't even have to buy it. You go to the library, get a copy of Unfreedom in the Press. 98% of the time it's not available. Why? Because somebody's reading it. That's why. I just wanted to point that out. I just wanted to point that out. AR-15s. I see this being discussed on TV right now. I wonder how many so-called journalists actually own a firearm. Because they appear to know nothing about them. I'm watching somebody ask about an AR-15. Do you own an AR-15? Do you think you should own? Do you want to own an AR-15? I own an AR-15. It's given to me as a present. I own an AR-15. Now, if I want an optimal gun that has power and distance and a big caliber, I wouldn't use an AR-15. An AR-15 can barely, barely bring down a deer. It's a relatively small caliber rifle. That's all it is. That's all it is. So if you want a really powerful rifle, you wouldn't buy an AR-15. And yet, most weapons that are used to kill people in this country, if they're firearms, they're handguns. 
excuse me, they're not they're not rifles. So I want to point that out as well. All right, but I we discussed this the other day. I, I want to get into a few other things. The New York Times is back at it. The New York Times, which is an anti-Semitic newspaper, just is what it is. And uh, has a long history and a recent history that prove it. Hates Benjamin Netanyahu. Why? Because he's a strong leader. Because he's friends with Donald Trump. Because he is a great admirer of uh, Winston Churchill. They hate Benjamin Netanyahu. And so they write a piece today called News Analysis. Now, ladies and gentlemen, news analysis, you're either making an opinion or you're, or you're not, or it's news. And the title is, by David Halbfinger, Scandals, Rivals, and U.S. Tarnish Netanyahu's Aura of Invincibility. Netanyahu doesn't have an aura of invincibility. And here's how it goes. And they know this stuff is read in Israel and so forth. Younger rivals in his Likud party are circling overhead. Bombshell exposés on the nightly news have returned his looming indictment on corruption charges to the forefront. Let's stop there. About a month ago, I decided, let me read these charges. Let me read these charges. All people here in the United States, and quite frankly in Israel, is that there's these charges. Well, I read the charges. There's really three of them. The first one suggests that he took gifts in exchange for taking some kind of action. And so what they do is they looked at gifts he took from two individuals, cigars and champagne. And what the Attorney General did is he combined the gifts that the two individuals gave to Netanyahu to make it look much, much bigger than it actually is. Because without combining the gifts, the gifts are really de minimis. And no action taken as a result of them. There's no bribery, and the gift amounts are not astronomical. So what they do is they take this second person who gave gifts to the prime minister, cigars and champagne, you know, bottles of champagne and boxes of cigars here and there, you know, that sort of thing. And they added him with this other guy, and they said, look at all the champagne and the cigars he took. So you have a prosecutor who basically is a liar trying to make a case. Then you look at the next charge. One is weaker than the next. And then you look at the third charge, which is supposed to be the strongest, the real bribery charge. There's no bribery at all. These are absolute unmitigated nonsense. That he made 
regulatory decisions with respect to the press that helped an individual who had a press website and so forth in exchange for positive press. Now, ladies and gentlemen, not only is that not bribery, but somebody can write positive press about a politician. They can write positive press about a politician. When regulatory decisions are made to be helpful, look at the New York Times. The New York Times is always writing positive stuff about liberal Supreme Court justices, liberal Supreme Court decisions that are self-serving to the New York Times. For instance, the New York Times versus Sullivan. The New York Times has and will endlessly give plaudits and celebrate justices who who ruled that way, 9-0, to zero, and any justice thereafter who upholds it. So there you have justices rewriting the Constitution of the United States in favor of the New York Times, and the New York Times giving them positive coverage. Is that bribery? It's ridiculous. No free society, democracy, or republic could possibly view that as bribery, and yet that's considered their strong case. And so this attorney general and his bureaucrats have created this cloud over Netanyahu. Netanyahu hasn't enriched himself one penny. So it goes on. Even Netanyahu's undisputed advantage over every challenger. His primacy on the international stage is Israel's longest serving prime minister has likely been a source of as much embarrassment as luster. This is a news analysis, of course. With two weeks until a do-over election that was forced on the country by his inability to form a government after coming out on top in the April ballot, that's not what happened. Must everything the New York Times writes be dishonest and deceptive? This guy Lieberman, who'd been Likud, wants to topple Netanyahu. And so he held out. A couple of the of the votes would have gone towards Netanyahu. In a backstabbing mood he held, move he held out. And so the the parliamentary election system in Israel is really crazy. It's even worse than Italy's because it was set up by socialists. And so you got to bring in these tiny little parties too. And so this guy Lieberman, who controlled maybe half a dozen or four votes and so forth, withheld him. And wouldn't agree to form a government with Netanyahu. It wasn't Netanyahu who couldn't form a government. It was Lieberman who prevented it. And of course, they don't talk about that in the second or third paragraph. A series of recent setbacks has overtaken his aura of indispensability. His aura of indispensability. Let me tell you something. If the people of Israel follow the New York Times, they'll commit suicide in mass. The same New York Times that downplayed the Holocaust. The same New York Times that cheers on Hamas when Hamas is shooting missiles into, into Israel. 
The same New York Times that celebrated Hezbollah a couple of Christmases ago talked about how wonderful they were to the Christians in Lebanon. The same New York Times that cheered on Obama in the Iran deal. The same New York Times that cheers on the United Nations. If the people of Israel follow the New York Times, they'll be walking off a cliff. The New York Times is pro-Palestinian and anti-Israel. It's that simple. They've got a long history of animus. A long history. We had Sulzberger in the 1940s and beyond who opposed the idea of a Jewish state. And this mentality continues in his offspring who inherit the the, uh, publishership of the newspaper. Netanyahu. Netanyahu and Menachem Begin, the two greatest prime ministers in the history of Israel. No question about it. They knew their enemies and they knew their allies. Incredibly smart, principled men. The knives are out for Netanyahu. The backbenchers, some of them, in his party, sort of the Joe Walsh types and the Bill Weld types in the Republican Party. You have the never-Trumpers, you have the never-BBs, too. And it reminds me very much after World War II when the British voted Churchill out of office. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And yet that's what they did. I can only hope that the Israelis make the right decision, just as I can only hope we Americans make the right decision in the next election. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. And I, I certainly and absolutely didn't mean this in a uh, provocative or nasty way. But when I suggested after the Mueller hearings on Fox and Friends that uh, Mr. Mully, Mueller could have memory issues. And it struck me as early on set dementia. And uh, again, I, I was very concerned that the Democrats had abused him and used him and that he had been in charge of this massive investigation and he was played and used by his underlings. 
And I thought this was quite relevant and important. And boy, remember that reaction, Mr. Producer? I was kind of swept out quickly out of the show. And Mark Levin says this side or the other. I say because I believe it, not because I'm attacking the man. And Brett Hume is rightly suggesting that Joe Biden's having memory issues. That he's having memory issues. And by the way, when you get older, this is a serious problem in this country. People do have memory issues. Sometimes it's the result of one disease or another. Sometimes it's some form of dementia. Sometimes it's Alzheimer's, whatever it is. And I don't know what it is, but Joe Biden is having memory issues. This used to be important. This used to be relevant when people were running for president. But apparently it's not when you're a Democrat. They used to attack Reagan on his age. Reagan was 69 when he was elected president. Joe Biden's 76. Joe Biden is 76. Uh, Bernie Sanders, I think, is 76 or 77. But because of their party and their politics, nobody raises that issue. And in the case of Joe Biden, I think it's a legitimate concern. Talking about a president of the United States. And so I think Brit Hume is right to raise it. I think I was right to raise it when it came to uh, Robert Mueller. Again, they're not attacks. But I don't know why we can't discuss these things. We can't raise them. It's a legitimate point. We're watching it with our own eyes, right? You know, uh, there's a great piece in the New York Post by Kyle Smith. And it deserves serious attention. Because it involves the United States military. And it's called How Obama Turned the Military into a Social Justice Experiment. And I must tell you, after having read this article, I knew there was some of this going on. I learned a lot, and a lot really disgusted me. The way the left views the military, the way the left views we the people. Human guinea pigs. Social engineers. Not as... Not as individual human beings. That's why they talk about systemic fill-in-the-blank or unequal fill-in-the-blank. I want to get into this a little bit after the break because I think you're going to be shocked too. We'll be right back. You wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day. Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the Nutrition Facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. 
Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. The Establishment's Worst Nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Wouldn't it be nice if search engines and social media sites were unbiased platforms that didn't choose a side politically? Keep dreaming. In 2016, the tech elites at Google bragged about donating millions of dollars to Hillary. These big tech companies that restrict the free speech rights of conservatives are the very same corporations we're trusting to handle our personal data online. Now, I don't want them using my web history or video searches against me. That's why I use ExpressVPN every time I go online. And when I use ExpressVPN, these tech companies can't see my IP address at all. My identity is masked and made anonymous. Plus, ExpressVPN has the added benefit of encrypting 100% of your data to keep you safe from hackers and, and Internet bad guys. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com mark. That's expressvpn.com. Dot com slash mark for three months free and a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark to learn more. Tell me, how come these Democrats, how come these Democrats, when they have microphones shoved in their faces, cameras shoved in their faces, how come they're not talking about the Hasidic Jews who are under attack in Brooklyn? They're being assaulted with assault weapons like rocks and bricks. They're having their heads cracked open. And there's a serious pattern here of what's going on in that community. How come Don Lemon doesn't want to talk about this? How come Al Sharpton doesn't want to talk about this? Where's Jake Tapper? Where's Wolf Blitzer? Where's Fredo Cuomo? Where's Chris Matthews and Andrea Mitchell? And where are they? You have Hasidic, that is Orthodox Jews, in Brooklyn being targeted with hate crimes. Now, to quote the late, great Joe Scarborough, imagine if they were Muslims. Imagine if they were Muslims. What would we be hearing on cable news, ladies and gentlemen? What would you be reading in the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost and the Constipated News Network and MSLSD? What would you be hearing? And why is it that 50% of the hate crimes are committed in this country against Jews? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I wonder if it's our swell immigration system. Just asking. See, we're not even allowed to look into this. No, climate change, hey, that's a given. No deniers. So where is Jake Tapper? He's supposed to be Jewish. Where's Chuck Todd? He's supposed to be Jewish. Where's Wolf Blitzer? He's supposed to be Jewish. Where's Andrea Mitchell? She's supposed to be Jewish. Where are they? They're nowhere. Nowhere. They're not going to send an investigative team into Brooklyn. God forbid what they'll find out. Oh, we can't look there. No. 
All right, back to the military. Kyle Smith. Curious thing happened in the second half of the Obama era. The commander-in-chief began viewing the military less as an entity designed to destroy enemies, but a tool with which to achieve progressive goals. Imagine that. To achieve progressive goals. Now, warriors were turned into social justice warriors. Men and women were risable to non-existent military records were made heads of the services. Navy Secretary Ray Mabus, who had logged all of two-year service as a junior officer, named ships after Cesar Chavez and Harvey Milk. James Hassan, a former Army captain who served in Afghanistan, stresses in Stand Down how social justice warriors are sabotaging the military, that he isn't making a partisan political case against Obama's efforts to reshape the military. He asks important nonpartisan questions, such as what's the military really for? And is it career military people or civilian bureaucrats who are better equipped to understand how to optimize its potential? Now, Hassan takes a sobering look at such matters as drastically lowering standards in order to pass more women through Army Ranger School, ignoring data showing that all male Marine units outperform mixed-sex ones and that female recruits are more likely to suffer serious injuries. Oh, yeah, and uh, I know this upsets our suburban women. So we're told, I know this upsets you, but most of you aren't in the Marines, are you? Or most of you aren't in Army Ranger School. So pay attention and learn. Hassan reports on a program in which male soldiers, listen to this, were ordered to train in fake breasts and distended bellies so they could experience what life was like for pregnant soldiers. Ordering a recruit to do more than 10 push-ups as punishment for minor misdeeds was declared unduly harsh. The Obama policy to overturn centuries of precedent and treat troops in accordance with whatever gender identity they declared, writes Hassan, is widely deemed within the military to be unlike the issue of homosexuality. For one thing, transgender individuals were already serving. Yet because the military ranks combat readiness ahead of soothing the psyches of its members, those individuals were required to meet standards according to their immutable biological sex. If you are born male, you may call yourself female if you like, but you will still be held to the physical fitness standards of other biological males. The Obama policy decreed that troops could change their gender marker without undergoing sex reassignment surgery or making any other physical changes. Among homosexuals, by contrast, the issue up for debate was not the individual readiness of the troops, but whether the morale and cohesion of those around them will be adversely affected. And once the concept of gender is ruled purely a psychological matter, it opens up other complications. What if the soldier who identifies as neither a male nor female, the non-binary individual? Four states now offer such an option on birth certificates because it's never too early to be uncertain about who you are. The military is not the stage upon which whimsy should play out. President Trump has not even gone so far as to dial back transgender policies to what they were before 2014. The new policy simply requires service members to live and be treated according to their biological sex. It doesn't 
bar transgender individuals from serving. Yet there should be little doubt that virtually any Democrat would reverse that reversal upon being elected president. Now, this raises all sorts of practical issues. There were no endocrinologists available to maintain a a regimen of hormone therapy when the troops landed on D-Day. Nor does it make sense to grant troops extended periods of leave while they're transitioning, as was Obama's policy. There's reason, Hassan points out, that no generals were present when Obama Defense Secretary Ash Carter held the press conference to announce the transgender policy. A 2016 poll found that only 12% of active troops thought Obama's plan would improve readiness. But it doesn't matter, you see, because Obama can order the military to do whatever the hell he wants it to do. And so the abuse of power on the left took hold. Used to be broadly accepted that the military is a special culture that is entitled to broad discretion about how it chooses its members. Military service is not a right extended to all Americans, but rather a privilege extended only to the few deemed most able to accomplish the military's mission. Three quarters of Americans are disqualified from service on various grounds. Obesity, education level, physical fitness, and so on. People with certain chronic conditions such as diabetes are barred because of the difficulties such disorders might pose during deployment. But winning battles is difficult enough without Washington visionaries ordering the military to operate like the Oberlin campus. This is what happens when the Democrats win, and this is exactly what will happen. It'll even be worse should any of these Democrats win. There's not a rational one among them. And don't hand me that idiot Congressman Tim Ryan from Ohio. It's a complete jackass. A real load, if if I may say so myself. I'm a moderate. I represent unions. Shut up, you idiot. You represent nobody. You've gone radical left, and then you pretend uh, you pretend you can uh, draw Republicans and independents, and uh, you're a moderate. You're not, nothing of the sort. You fall in with the other reprobates. By the way, it's a little way away, but this thing sells out very fast, and I'm not going to mention it every day, so you might want to listen if you live in the Los Angeles area. Hello, hello, hello. We're going to have Town Hall 2019, the great KRLA. Town Hall 2019, Sunday, October 6th. Sunday, October 6th. Now, you know when I announce these things, they sell out almost immediately. Tickets are available now for Town Hall 2019, Sunday, October 6th, our great KRLA event at the Pasadena Convention Center. So join me. My wife and I are coming there just to see you. KRLA Country, 870. Join me along with Dennis Prager, Larry Elder, Sebastian Gorka, all buddies. This is going to be great. So I'm telling you, tickets for this event will sell out. It will be sold out. So I would encourage you to get your tickets now. But Mark, it's October 6th, folks. Just a word of caution. If this is something you want to do with your family and your kids or your parents... This is the time to do it. There's no point in waiting. Procrastination will wind up in you not going. So for more information, here's what you do. Information on Town Hall 2019, visit am870.info. am870.info. 
AM870.info. AM870.info. I have two more and only two more, I might add, events this year. We have one with WMAL. That's my home station in Washington, D.C. That's sold out. And we have another one coming that I think I'm announcing tomorrow. And that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I can only go to so many places. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. You know, Democrats have been busy this summer hatching a socialist health care plan behind closed doors. Isn't that always the case? That's designed to be a major down payment on Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All scheme. It's a scheme because Medicare for All entirely eliminates Medicare. The health care program you, many of you, have earned and relied on and paid into for decades. And also eliminate all employer-based health care, all union-based health care, all private sector health care. You know, for the little guy. Democrats want to force all Americans into a massive DMV-like $32 trillion socialized medicine experiment where government bureaucrats and politicians, not doctors and patients, decide what treatments you can receive. Nancy Pelosi, a.k.a. Stretch, has been pushing drug price controls to set the stage for this government-run health care system. And why not? She can afford to go anywhere and buy whatever she wants. The only question I have is, when will the Republicans in the Senate stop Pelosi's down payment on Medicare for All? Are they prepared to speak out? Have you heard them? Or will they cut a deal that will come back to bite them later? But more importantly, will eviscerate what we have right now? It's a good question. Because some Republicans, including some technocrats in the administration, seem to have bought into socialist price controls. Now, folks, socialism is not the answer. It's a cancer. Just look at what health care is like in countries like Venezuela, Cuba, and China. Or for that matter, Britain, France, and Canada. Where rationing, access restrictions, and waiting times are the norm. This isn't the path the United States should head down. We're America. We don't copy failed health care systems. So get the facts, folks. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com. That's TrueHealthCareFacts.com. TrueHealthCareFacts.com. 
All right, let's see who we have on my call screen. Well, there we go. Mr. Producer, who would you choose? Rick in Israel. Must be listening on the Mark Levin app. Rick in Israel, how are you, sir? I'm well, thanks. How are you, Mark? I'm doing great. Thank you, sir. Um, I was calling because of um, uh, I heard you speaking about the charges levied against uh, our prime minister earlier yes. today. And I think the, um, you know, I, I was actually in, in, in James Comey's crosshairs in the 90s. So, and I would say that even by that prosecutor's very low legal standard, the, 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 the notion of bribery, of, of bribery, of bribery, excuse me, uh, for trading the, uh, the idea that he, that he traded, um, you know, the uh, regulatory decision that was actually not made, which I don't think he said, um, in exchange for better political coverage, it, as, as bribery is absurd. Well, that's, was, that's the <clears throat> second charge. You're exactly right. The allegation is uh, that, um, that they wanted a, a law changed. And, in fact, the law wasn't changed. BB didn't push for the law to change. And the Knesset wasn't even in session. And, and in fact, the politicians that wanted the law changed, the very few of them were not even who were who were actually the who are who are also, quote unquote, in on this, were not even charged themselves. Now, this is a complete setup by a gutless wonder attorney general being pushed by leftist uh, prosecutors uh, under him and being pushed there by the media. The media in Israel is actually worse than it is in the United States because there is no Fox News and there's no conservative talk radio like this. That's right. There, there is one philosopher who's actually who often, sometimes quotes you, a guy named uh, Guy Berhor, who's an ex-journalist himself, and he, he has it right on the money, and he called this in 2008 that, you know, everything he said in the freedom of the press, you know, he was kind of, he has, an, he has a bunch of articles dating from that time, uh, going exactly in that direction. And it's, it's, so how does it look like on the ground there? Well, he's got it tough. Uh, look, his wife, you know, Bibi has weaknesses. Now, I'm talking uh, about the vote. How does it look like there? Is it going to happen the same way this time, you think? I think it's going to happen the same way. I think the, the, the smaller parties are going to get marginalized more. So he has he has some built-in advantage in 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 recalling the election. He did he, he it was a good strategic move on his end. Well, he had no choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's but, ridiculous, absolutely absurd system there set up by uh, by the socialists. Right, right. He could have caved into Lieberman, and he didn't. And I think that was a good move. Um, I wanted to make one little comment that you know earlier. I, I was listening to the repeat of the of the interview with Bandy X Lee. The, uh, the so-called Mandy X. Lee from Yale, yes, doctor in psychology. Or yeah, psychology. I, you know, I, I didn't notice her pointing out the dangers to society of a of a uh, of a of an FBI director who decides to usurp the powers of the government in order to advance political agenda. Of course there was not. absolutely no discussion of that danger to society, or of a special counsel who appears to have dementia. Listen, Rick, I have to go. What sound does a duck make, Rick? What's that? What sound does a duck make? Right. <laughs> right. Quack, quack. All right, Rick. God bless you, my friend. And take care. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. No. 
now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Here, our number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. So you're going to be inundated with this climate change stuff, as I discussed in the first hour. But I want to show you what a joke this is, the people advocating for this. Ever hear Poppy Harlow? Poppy Harlow? Oh, yes, Poppy Harlow. Not a dancer, not a singer. Not a circus clown. She is a uh, CNN host. Poppy Harlow is. And uh, she's an expert on climate change. And here she was today on CNN. Cut three, go. Let me begin with you, Tracy, on the science. Because we'll get to the politics in a moment. But there is indisputable fact and science that tells us that the crisis is exacerbating natural disasters, is there not? Really, really. And can you name the scientists who tell you that? Poppy, I mean, before you go back and Google it, can you name the scientists? Can you name the studies? Can you name the reports? Okay, back with Poppy. Go ahead. Absolutely. I mean, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has been um, uh, sounding... The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change at the UN has been a farce. An absolute farce. To anybody who knows anything about this subject. But they're the media, so they don't. Go ahead. Some time that that the world is careening towards a climate crisis, and it's only been getting worse. I don't understand. How is it only getting worse? We're doing more to address this than ever before, right? Our carbon emissions are way down. China's are way up. India's are way up. Russia's are way up. So what do we have to do with this? What do we have to do about this? And notice, none of those, well, anyway. David Gergen, who's been in government at least two-thirds of his life, all of a sudden he's figured out there's climate change issues. If you want to know, if you want to know what a pathetic Washington hanger-on is like, it's David Gergen. This guy is a chameleon's chameleon. And Poppy Harlow's at it again. Cut for a go. You were just in Greenland, David. We, I think you sent us the yes. photos. Let's pull them up. Talk to us yes. about what you saw. Sure. Oh, it was, it was fantastic. I, I went there thinking there was a practical imperative uh, to deal with climate change. I came away feeling it's a moral imperative. When mm. you see what's happening in Greenland, uh, it is an early, it's an early six, seven, Wait, signal. wait, 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 wait. So we have global warming. And before that, we had global cooling. So we're back from climate change now to global warming. And he went to Greenland, so he saw it with his own two eyes, or is it four eyes? And so David Gergen is a climatologist, meteorologist, scientist. Now, he saw it. He saw what's happening in Greenland. Go ahead. About what's going to happen to the globe. The, the glaciers are retreating. They're, they're breaking off and forming icebergs. There are these beautiful icebergs, but they're all they're breaking up. Uh, there is a growing danger that the uh, ice cap. Now, if they're breaking up, why are they breaking up? 
because of cows, because of human beings, because of automobiles? No. If they're breaking up, they're breaking up because of... During the day tomorrow, folks, look up in the sky. Don't stare at it. Don't stare at the sun. But that's the all-powerful factor. That's the all-powerful factor. Go ahead. In Greenland, we will have, you know, there won't be a big ice cap in the summer. Uh, All right, shut up, you idiot. You don't know anything. You went to Greenland. Big deal. Too bad you came back, may I say, with all due respect. Then there's Jay Inslee. This guy's such a nut. Even the Democrats reject him. This guy's like, uh, he's an old-time, like, Egyptian pharaoh praying at false idols. And that's what this is. Climate change is a false idol. But it moves their agenda. Cut five, go. Well, I think it's more important what the scientific community thinks than what I think. And what they, uh, I think, have reached a firm conclusion that these storms uh, have become more intense and more destructive. And that should not be shocking to us because the, the energy source, the fuel for a hurricane is essentially warm waters and the waters are becoming dramatically warmer around the globe in many places so it shouldn't be shocking that hurricanes are becoming more intense that is a scientific uh, consensus at this point no it's not actually it's not a scientific consensus at this point or any point it's the consensus of the media that cherry picks their scientists And I've talked about this many, many times before. I write about it in Unfreedom of the Press. I write about it in Liberty and Tyranny. I write about it in Plunder and Deceit. I give the names of scientists, physicists, meteorologists, climatologists, sources that you can read on your own, where you can see how false this is. This is nonstop propaganda by politicians, most of whom are lawyers or have been in Washington their entire lives. And all of a sudden, five, ten years ago, they never heard of this. It was an existential threat five or ten years ago. Now it's an existential threat. Think about how stupid that is, ladies and gentlemen. The science hasn't really changed in the last 20 years. If it's an existential threat, if it's so obvious, the science didn't need to change for people to figure it out. When I wrote Liberty and Tyranny over 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I have five pages of what they claim climate change has done. Five pages. It's killed off bumblebees. It's created more bumblebees. The ice cap's melting. The ice cap is expanding. And on and on and on. It's absolutely absurd. Now, if you have a low IQ or a political agenda, this stuff is appealing to you. Like a journalist, a low IQ and a political agenda. And so they push this stuff. And that's what happens. Climate change. Of course the climate changes. It's the nature of the climate. It's not all the same, all the time. And I told you, there's a hurricane, now they're going to blame Trump and climate change. Like they're going to fix it. It's like Obamacare. Obamacare turned our health care system inside out. But they're not done. Apparently it doesn't work. So they got to do more. They have to do more. You know, the media say that Trump is ramping up against them. This is what they're saying. And a gentleman in the Washington Examiner, and I agree, his name is, or she, Edie Scary. I'm sorry, I think it's Edie. 
And that is, actually, Trump isn't ramping up anything against the media. He's defending himself. He's responding to the media. The media, which accuse him of every mass murder. The media, which accuse him of being an anti-Semite. The media, which accuse him of being a racist. The media, which accuse him of climate change. The media, which accuse him of separating children from parents when Obama did it. And many of these children are not the children of so-called parents. The media who accuse him of being a white supremacist, a neo-Nazi, Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini. That media. The president is merely responding to that media and defending himself against that media. As he should. As he should. Because this media is not a free press. They're protected by the First Amendment, but this media... I should say, are not a free press. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Kathy Scranton, Pennsylvania, the great WTRW. Go. So 13,000 years ago, we had a glacier on top of us in northeast PA. And it was in Archibald, A-R-C-H-B-A-L-D, Pennsylvania, zip 18403. And when the glacier 13,000 years ago melted, it left this hole in the ground. And it's called the, the Archibald Pothole. And it's a historic site. And scientists and archaeologists studied it. And it's on a historic site list. Zip code one eight four zero. Are you sure there weren't automobiles back then? There were no planes. There were no cars. Thirteen thousand years ago, all mm-hmm. we got is coal miners here. <laughs> yeah. And you know, if if climate could change, boy, that would be a miracle. And you know what? Even long before that, the climate changed, and all the dinosaurs were killed. Yeah. See, the deal of it is. Joe Biden said he believes science over fiction. Well, there's science, and he's from um, Scranton. Which he he is only repeating what all the uh, minders and the and the and uh, the, the so-called journalists are saying. They're taking their lead. Well, all they have to do is Google it in. The zip is. One Ma'am, are you are you disagreeing with Poppy Harlow at CNN? <laughs> that was funny. I like it when you tell us everything. All right, my friend. You are terrific. I'm going to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press. Don't hang up. Fifteen weeks on the New York Slimes list. I mean, Times list. Matt, Atlantic City, New Jersey, where we used to go every summer, the great WPGG. Now, Matt, do you know where the Berkeley condominiums are? Uh, I live right across the street from it, sir. That's where we used to live. I know. I couldn't believe it. I talked to Harry Hurley about it. He goes, yeah, Mr. Levin's got great connections to our area. Let let me ask you that. Let me ask you, do they have a plaque there in my name? They should. You you mean they don't? They really should, shouldn't they? They ought to have a bench. I sat on those those benches all the time. You know, I think I met you down here before. I'm not quite sure. How old are you? I think I met you down here before. How old are you? I'm 52. Well, we may have. I mean, I spent a hell of a lot of time on the beach 
going into the ocean, spent a lot of time on the boardwalk, uh, had a lot, a lot of fun in, a, in Atlantic City. I don't know what's going on there today, but I had a lot of fun there in Ventnor and Margate and the whole thing. That uh, big elephant used to go over there. It's getting uh, better, Mr. Levin. It's getting better. It's, good. It's getting really better now. Good. It's, it's coming up a little bit more. It's coming back. So what's anyway, cooking? Anyway, about your, about your climate change thing, um, all you really need to do is get yourself a copy of the Farmer's Almanac, okay, and look at it. Just look yeah. at it. Read it. What will we find? I looked in there, and record high on this date was 1937 or something, 99 degrees. A record low was like last year. So how in the crap is it global warming? Oh, but wait a minute. They diverted. They didn't say global warming anymore. Now they just say climate change. They right. changed it. Right. You see? So It's all a joke. What in the Sam Heller talking about, Mark? They, no. They, I mean. This uh, is this is the, the, the farce that they wrap around their agenda. This is the far, farce that they wrap around their agenda. Trying to make money off it. That Al Gore, I'd like to grab him by the ear. That guy's hundreds of millions of dollars. Dumber than a doorknob. But look what he's done. Look at, look at the Obamas. As they're out there with their Marxist propaganda, they're worth about $100, $150 million. Yeah. Look at the Clintons. Worth a quarter of a billion, or at least that's what they made. It's incredible. They attacked Trump, who made billions and billions before he came into office in the private sector. But these people make their tens of millions, hundreds of millions after they leave office. Not a problem. Well, I, 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 it, it's just another way to make money. And he, did he get a, a Nobel Prize for that? Who? Even did he? Who? Gore. Did he get a Nobel Prize? Well, why not? Everyone gets one. Yeah, but I mean, come on. You just—I would. He gets a, a Bozo the Clown Prize from us here. The Farmers Almanac. Those guys are in the field all day, every day. They know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's a cyclical thing. We're in orbit. We're orbiting the, the sun. Well, sir, on. you really need to listen to Chuck Todd and uh, Poppy Harlow. And then you'll know. You'll um, know where we're headed. Off of nothing, you know? All right, my friend. <coughs> it's great to hear from you. Atlantic City. I really miss Atlantic City. I love Atlantic City. A lot of great memories there. My father... When we were very young, taught us how to body surf, and we did that all the time. He loved to swim. I can remember all that. I can remember the ice cream guys coming up and down the uh, beach. I don't know if they do that anymore with their freezers, carrying them on their backs. They broke their backs doing this stuff. It was so hot. The lifeguards with those big wooden boats. I mean, these were really strong, good lifeguards. I remember all that. My mother would make us wonderful lunches. So proud of her boys. One summer I was there, I had a broken arm. I had a cast from under my armpit on my right arm, Mr. Producer, and I'm right-handed. All the way down to my thumb. For six weeks. Six weeks, I broke my arm. I hit my brother in the leg... Right where the uh, between the knee and the ankle, you know that bone there. And I cracked my arm. 
Uh, for about a day, I pretended it didn't hurt, but it really hurt like hell. So eventually I had to get a cast on there. Well, neither here nor there. Let's keep going, shall we? Judith, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hi, Mark. I want yellow, to tell you something. Yellow, Hello? Hello. Yes. I want, do you remember when Al Gore's pay to say lying scientists changed the numbers to suit their climate change theory? Not really. You don't. Well, I remember that. But I want to share a tweet with you, and it's really interesting. Yes. All out crazy, she said, the world will end in 12 years. And Al Gore responds, I've been yelling about that for the past 30 years. So just goes <laughs> to show you. It's right, hilarious right? how stupid you know, these people are. You know, you have... So, so my question has always been, why fundamentally change America fundamentally transform America. We only have 12 years. Because we know the Chinese are pouring more pollution in the atmosphere than we are. So there's nothing we can do about it. So why save? Why have a pension? Why have a mortgage? Why do anything? These people are so stupid. And yet the media just propagate this stuff. It's unbelievable what we're going through as a people right now. Oh my goodness. Well, Judith, I'm sorry my genius caused you to run off. Judith is a good caller. Bob, San Francisco, California, the great KSFO. Go. Mark, how are you? Okay, how are you, sir? Doing very well. Um, I'm uh, kind of on the front lines out here in uh, California. You're not kidding. As a conservative. Um, By the way, uh, we tried to get that idiot councilwoman. What's her name, Mr. Producer? I forget her name. We tried to get her on the program, the one that uh, put the resolution out that the NRA is a domestic terrorist group. But like most, she's a coward and she wouldn't come on the program. She used to one party rule and no debate. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's just incredible. Anywho. Uh, Stefani. The book. Yeah, so I, uh, I recently got married to uh, a, a Democrat. Um, and I tried to introduce the uh, Unfreedom of the Press book. Didn't go over well, uh, you know doesn't even want to look at it um and more to that in a second if we have time but i just anecdotally i'm going to carry you over sir uh, even though we have a guest i don't have a lot of time but this fascinates me why you would marry somebody who's going to frustrate you the rest of your life we'll be right back Simply the smartest man on radio. And you can call him 877-381-3811. The good, the true, the beautiful. Think about those concepts for a second. What do they mean? How can one begin to understand these high and noble ideals? Well, folks, it starts with the right kind of education. This kind of education used to be common, but has become increasingly rare. Used to be the college students, young people, would study comprehensively a variety of subjects, from philosophy to politics to biology, from literature to history to theology. A core curriculum, in other words. Sadly, that's not the case these days. But I can tell you about one place where young people study like this, the great Hillsdale College. And at Hillsdale, students work hard, spending more than half their time studying the core. The result? Hillsdale alumni are leaders with intelligence and character, ready to make a difference in their families, communities, and country. But it all starts with that core the core that every student takes, the core that develops moral and intellectual virtue, the core that helps them understand the good, the true, and the beautiful. 
Find out more about what education's meant to be. Find out for free. Check it out for yourselves and your kids and your grandkids. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. It's that simple. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. I want to strongly encourage you to check it out. Wherever our buddy Joe Pistardi, he's going to tell us what's happening right now as this storm has moved north. Joe, how are you, my friend? Oh, pretty well. I'll tell you what, I was uh, shocked last night on set with uh, Sean. He's gotten huge. You guys are, what are you guys, training like crazy? You mean he's strong? Yeah, Muscular. he's strong. I'll tell you, he's... Well, what, what makes you think I am? Well, you look like a big guy to me. But well, anyway. I, I work out three times a week, three days a week, but I'm mostly cardio with my buddy Justin. Right, right. And it's with a gun at my head, my wife's gun. Yeah. <laughs> she makes me do it. Well, I'll tell you what, when I first met Sean back in 2004, yeah, going, yeah dude, you got you to gain some weight. Now, he's, he's a big guy. But anyway. But Joe, I like but hold on now. You're a big muscular, rescuer guy. Not, yeah, I went the other way. You know, it's kind of weird about that. I'm still trying to compete, but I've lost, uh, you know, as you get older, you realize that what you had was God's gift to you then. and. Uh, what you got left? Well, I got to I got to see you again because I remember you were you were a little mis- Mr. Muscle Man. Well, oh yeah, I had I had my day and hope to have my day again. But uh, uh, all right, hey, this hey, is Sean, getting weird. Sean's huge. Yeah, I this know. is getting weird. Talk about the weather. <laughs> Sean's huge. What is that like? All right, later. there you go. Um, all right, well, listen, folks, uh, this is intensifying again, and the reason it's intensifying is it's coming over fresh, warm water. And the way the coastline is shaped, it's, it's shaped like a, an arc. And that in, uh, that uh, encourages what we call uh, convergence, air coming together. And, and that's why, if you ever notice what happens in the early morning hours off the South Atlantic coast, it thunderstorms every morning out there over the Gulf Stream, right? And so that is what uh, something that is this storm is beginning to tap into. The old-timers, and I guess I'm one of them now, but what I was taught was the most favored speed for intensification is 8 to 16 miles an hour, the movement. It's moving 9 miles an hour now. So it's leaving behind that cold water that it caused through upwelling, and it's coming over warm water. And this is going to be a very dangerous situation late tonight and tomorrow. Because I think this For who? For where? For uh, Charleston and then on up the coast all the way to Hatteras here. And the reason I'm thinking that is this, uh, this may ramp up to a Category 3 hurricane. Whether it makes landfall or not, it will move along the coast and give within 20 miles of the coast hurricane-force winds. It could see some gusts over 100, 120 miles an hour in some of these places. So uh, you could see the eye getting better and better defined now. And the clearer that eye becomes, the more... It's, it's a sign that the air in the middle of the hurricane is sinking because it's going up so fast on the outside. So it's a potentially very ugly situation. This damn thing is hanging around forever. Yeah, well, it's going to be all out of here Saturday or Sunday, and then uh, all of a sudden there'll be nothing going on except maybe... Well, let me ask you about Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. I assume a lot of rain then in places like... What, New Jersey, New yeah, York? New Jersey, really. New Jersey and New York don't get much. Virginia Beach is going to get hit pretty hard uh, late tomorrow night, Friday morning. And southeast New England, specifically uh, Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard, and uh, Cape Cod probably going to get it pretty good. 
but uh, it'll be accelerating by then and moving rapidly northeast, so it'll clear out behind it. And be, uh, listen, I've seen this before. You get these storms. Remember, Glory in 85 came up, and it got nice and warm behind it, and that's what's going to happen. There's going to be widespread summer warmth across the country behind this thing. When, when, when does hurricane season technically end? Well, it, it, November, the last day of November. We've had hurricanes. What? Into, yeah, but... We we have not. I don't believe we've had a hurricane hit the United States. And oh, we did Hurricane Kate in '85, a Category Three, Category Two hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico, the latest ever, 1985, before global warming. I was so, just going to say, don't tell the left that. Well, it's 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 a kind of thing. everything happening today is unprecedented. You know. Uh, well, see that's. You know what? It's kind of weird. I, I heard your commercial for Hillsdale, and that's a college yes. I love, and they teach things the right way. Yes. You get punished for what you know rather than what you don't know today. For instance, the expertise, your expertise of the Constitution, or, or looking back at hurricanes, for instance, you know all this stuff, and then you, you tell people about it, and they say, no, that's not the reason. And it's just kind of, it's just kind of a crazy world today, even in, uh, you know, that this could, this could actually happen in weather and climate boggles my mind from mm-hmm. three years old this is all i wanted to do and now it's dragged through the mud like everything else mm-hmm. and and these reporters on tv joe Pastardi, cnn and msnbc they never invite you on do they well i've been i've been on there before but uh over the last uh six seven years uh i haven't been on uh quite that's because they've, I, they've moved hard left and they don't want to hear what I, you have to say yeah, I, I i hang out at i i hang out with the Folks at Fox that give me a chance to be on every once in a while and apply my wares. And the big thing is that if the the best way to show what you know is to try to be right, get out in front of it way in advance, and then people say, "Well, that guy must be looking at something." And you know, you tell them your methodology, and then people start trusting you. No, but because you wrote a book and you challenge all this uh, climate change stuff, man-made climate change stuff. And so you're persona non grata. That's what they do. Well, that's exactly right. And, of course, they publish, they publish that blacklist, uh, 338, uh, 338 uh, people that should be shunned by the media. I was ranked 63rd. I didn't know whether really? to laugh or cry because, you know, 63rd, I mean, there were a lot of people in front of me. So I was like yeah. – I remember one time my son comes up to me and says, Dad, look at this. You're the number one, uh, number one climate denier in the world. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> so who's number one? I'm not. I'm not sure. It may be uh, Doctor. I don't know if it's Doctor Roy Spencer. He's up there. It's amazing. Will Happer, who is one of the the smartest people I've ever met, and he explained in ten minutes to me why CO2 is limited and what it can do. And you know, he's a premier nuclear physicist in the country. And he notice, none of these people are on Meet the Press or This Week or. <clears throat> Face the uh, the na- deface the nation. They're not on any of these shows. They will not give them the airtime. Yeah, well, it, it, you know, they're trying to just uh, quiet. They, you know, Mark, they wrote the book. Most of this is not about climate and weather. Gina McCarthy actually, she actually admitted it. She said that all this we're doing will save 0.01 C, but that's not the, over 30 years, that's not the real value of it. The value is we'll be an example for the rest of the world to follow. So let me ask you this. As we sit here tonight, uh, Eastern Time, about uh, 8.43 p.m., 
Who's getting whacked the hardest right now? Who uh, should be the most nervous? Well, Char- Charleston, I don't think the storm is going to come on shore, Charleston. But because of the configuration of the coast and the way the water's been backing in there, I think they're probably going to have a record surge in there, beat Matthew. And then uh, then you start picking off Cape Romaine, Cape Fear, Cape Lookout, Cape Hatteras. The Outer Banks are probably going to get this uh, the brunt of this because I expect it to pass over the Outer Banks and uh, just to the west of Hatteras, come out at Duck. And uh, for you folks in Tidewater, there's an interesting situation that happens when these things try to go offshore like that. All of a sudden, the wind increases right over Virginia Beach out of the northeast. And uh, that's something that uh, we're concerned about. And then Saturday, uh, southeast New England will get it. But the real, the real brunt of this is North Carolina. Mark, there was a hurricane in 1958, Hurricane Helene, that stayed 10 miles offshore. It was a Category 4 at the time. And it really, because it moved so slow, and that's happened before, devastated the North Carolina coast. I don't think this will be as bad as Helene, even if it does stay offshore. But I do think it is a formidable storm. And what I did today from about Moorhead City to the South Carolina and North Carolina border, Florence, Florence was a worse storm. But once you get into South Carolina and then further northeast, the Outer Banks on up to, um, on up to uh, Norfolk, Virginia, this will be a worse storm than Florence. So there have been, Wind. even before this storm, there have been hellish hurricanes. So people oh. saying we've never seen anything like this before. Well, We've never seen – this was the benchmark storm for those islands. But, Mark, it was predictable. You know, I, 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 I don't mean to sound pompous, but I, I, I'm hooked up with people in the Bahamas that we – they're clients of mine. And we told them this is going to be the worst storm you've ever seen at Abaco and Grand Bahama. We told them that Friday. All right. So uh, that's not to toot my own horn. If you can see this coming as plain as the nose in my Italian face, we also told them Nassau would escape, which Nassau did. Well, where does it? Where did this storm generally start? Well, it's, it started intensifying in the extreme northeast Caribbean. It avoids the Caribbean. The Caribbean's like a gauntlet at this time of the year. You can't get storms through there. So when it took off to the north of Puerto Rico like that, and spared Puerto Rico completely. Once it took the west turn, and we kept saying that, when these storms move northwest and turn west, that's when they explode. That's when they intensify very much. That's just basic from my tropical meteorology class back at Penn State in the 1970s. And, uh, you know, if you look at the track, you remember Andrew was sort of turning out, and then when it turned west, it intensified. So it was textbook, textbook case of it. And the, the slowing of the storm had to do not with the uh, upper ridge of high pressure being so strong, but that there was a weakness in the ridge. It found the weakness. I think we talked about this Friday night. It found the weakness, and so it came up very, very slowly, uh, uh, you know, to the east of Florida. But, you know, you see this. I, I put something the other night on, and uh, five storms. I could put 50 storms on, but five storms with these freaky tracks. All right, let me ask you a question. Is there, uh, is there anything you can see behind the storm? Not for not till after September 20th. Gabrielle is going to recurve, but I do think between September 20th and October 10th, uh, the pattern is going to be active again. And we'll see if I'm right. Uh, it's interesting. Well, I hope you're wrong. Well, but, you know, uh, it, I, I cut both ways on that. I like being right because that's what I'm supposed to do. But uh, you know, I remember being on uh, the Monday. Florence was hitting, telling Sean 
I'd see him in two or three weeks because it was going to be a golf hurricane because you can see the pattern setting up. So what I'm saying is I think we're going to have a two-week down period where even if something develops, I don't think it will come to the United States. But then later September, first couple of weeks of October, um, we might be talking again. Well, let's talk again, but not about this, I hope. <laughs> All right. All right, big guy. God uh, bless you. Me. God bless Always you. a pleasure. Joe Bastardi, he is terrific. He not only really is good at this, nobody's perfect at this, really good at it, but he explains it in plain English. Plus, you can tell he's the rain man. Remember 1985, uh, Ernie Grabowski up the... I don't, know, I don't, actually. I mean, I remember something happened, but, you know, I don't study this day in and day out. I'll be right back. Mud Lovin'. It's challenging, right? But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connected to qualified candidates actually works. And that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. Sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology... ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and then invites them to apply to your job. It's proactive. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. Nobody else does that. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, you, my listeners, can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. You got to put in Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin because ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Well, let's see who else is out there. Okay, let us go to... Anna, Comac, New York, Sirius Satellite, go. Hi. Oh, my God. How are you, young lady? Have a great one. Hello. Thank you. We're not worthy. Oh, there's two of you. It's my sister. Well, what's your sister's name? Thank you. My sister's is Debbie. Debbie and Anna. How are you, Anna and Debbie? Oh, we're really good. We're even better now that we get to talk to you. Thank you. So go right ahead. You just put it all out there, um, everything. We know what's going to happen if the Democrats take office. It's going to be destruction. <laughs> You're right. No it's going to be a Hurricane uh, Category 5. Oh, my. <laughs> with, with a few um, cycle, uh, tornadoes thrown in. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You got creepy Joe Biden, who totally is He's lost it, okay? This guy doesn't know his butt from his elbow. He, he, he doesn't know where he is. Oh, that must be weird. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to ask my mother. But yes. You got, you got Pocahontas, who, uh, I mean, is that under the rug now? What she did, she was able to... Oh, yes. No, no, no. It doesn't and... matter anymore. It's her chapaquitic. doesn't matter. Oh, my God. It, it seems like nothing matters anymore. The That's most, right. The most devastating thing right now is Kate. Kate is is the most devastating thing. Is what? Thing. Kate, Katie's war. 
how they let that immigrant oh, walk yeah, away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The illegal the immigrant. immigrant. Walk yes. away from that devastating Isn't that sickening? That is horrible. He murdered that kid, that beautiful young girl. He uh, had been deported repeatedly. He broke into our country repeatedly. And now he's walking around a free man. Yep. And it's like he's in the face every time. That's they're right. They're laughing at us. Yeah. They're all laughing at us. You're kind of the uh, diamond and silk, aren't you, of the Caucasian types? Okay. We're the Caucasian diamond and silk. That's it. We are. <laughs> All right, ladies. It's been a pleasure. God bless you both. Jerry, New Brunswick, New Jersey, the great WABC. Quickly, go. Yes, Mark. It's amazing how ignorant the people on CNN are on climate change. Gergen mm-hmm. talking about going to Greenland. And seeing a glacier melting, you know, it is summertime. <laughs> and if he had gone there in the 1100s, he would have seen the Vikings farming and grazing, which you cannot do. At and then they would have killed him, of course, because that's what Vikings did. Yeah. And uh, the Ro- it was warmer during the Roman period. And there's nobody on the face of the earth that can tell you what the climate's going to do. All this, all this sure science they talk about. It's all computer models. You're right on, brother. I got it wrong, but you're exactly right. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all of you folks out there helping our citizenry. We appreciate it, particularly during this this hurricane. And uh, don't forget, get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. You can hurry now and grab it, and I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.